0: Okay, y'all, grab your Capri Suns or your Surge, and let's talk about some true crime. This episode contains discussion of child murder, racism, and police misconduct. Listener discretion is advised. On a rainy October afternoon in the small town of Potsdam, New York, a young woman called 911 to tell them she had heard some odd noises coming from the apartment across from hers. The noises sounded like a child in danger. When an officer finally arrived, he heard footsteps inside and the sound of a door's lock clicking when he knocked. When he finally gained access, the officer found 12-year-old Garrett Phillips pulseless. He began CPR and Garrett was transported quickly to the hospital, but he ultimately died. The only evidence left behind was a bent window screen and a few fingerprints. Investigators immediately focused their attention on the victim's mother's ex-boyfriend, Nick Hillary, and he became an outcast despite no physical evidence of his involvement. Were police targeting him because of his race and pushing another prime suspect aside because he was another police officer? Or was the investigator's tunnel vision being exaggerated and Nick Hillary really was responsible for the savage murder of the little boy? All right, you guys. So part two. We don't have a lot of two-parters anymore. No, this, this is, it's been a while. This is a biggin' though. Been a while. Oh, yes. yeah. Stained. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Stained, for joining the show today. (laughs) Wow. Special ghost. Yeah. Um, So thanks again to Cheyenne Orr and Madison for requesting the case. And, of course, Madison for writing it up. Hey, girl, thanks. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. And um, if you are not a patron, just to let you know, you can get this ad and every other ad. Nope. Ad? Nope. You don't want just ads, do you? (laughs) What if we What if we came out with a show that was just ads? Do you right? think anybody would listen? <laughs> Probably not. Probably um, not. Probably not. Yeah. You know, but you got to come up with ideas all the time. And it's nice to just ask. Exactly. We don't know unless we ask. Um, anyway, if you want this episode. There it is. Without ads. mm mm-hmm. um, And you want all of our other episodes without ads, you can join the Patreon and you can listen to this episode right now just without the ads yes and for future two-parters mm-hmm. if you join the patreon you can get that second part lickety splickety mm-hmm. you can get it um you know you can hit stop on part one and play on part two bingo bongo don't have to wait a week yep all right well also bonus episodes and all that good jazz but you know patreon.com slash killer queens pod check it out see what see what you want to do about it sure we're not your real mom we never will be we're not going to tell you what to do Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. So let's get back into the story. So when we left off, we were into the investigation of Garrett's murder. And now we are to Nick's timeline of that day. And we're going to break that down. Because at this point, he's been questioned. He's been photographed inappropriately. He's been strip searched. Mm Mm-hmm. He's been held for eight hours at the police station, but not held, but held, but not held, but free mm-hmm. to go, but you can't leave. Right. Yeah. And Everybody you can't take your clothes with you. You got to put on a hazmat suit. Oh, those aren't your clothes anymore. No, absolutely not. Mm-mm. Yeah. None of your business where your clothes are. So let's get into where the fuck Nick was. For most, Nick's alibi brought more questions than answers. So on the afternoon of Garrett's death, Nick said that he was watching a high school soccer game from the school's parking lot. We will get into that more. His daughter, Shawna Kay, said that she arrived home from school around 4.30 p.m. and her dad was there in the apartment. She said that he left around 4.40 p.m. and she took a shower that lasted about 20 minutes. So what she says in her testimony, sworn testimony at trial, is, I get in the shower. Dad knocks on the door and says, I'll be right back. He leaves. Then she gets out of the shower about 20 minutes later, and she could hear her father moving around in the apartment. So she knew that he was back. Then she says he leaves again at 5.15 p.m. And she says after he leaves at 5.15, she makes dinner, and then she eats around six o'clock. And Nick says that when he's home during this period of time, this between 5 and 5.15-ish, they say, what were you doing during that time? He's like, oh, you know what? Shauna Kay and I were talking about uh, what we were going to have for dinner or what she was going to make for dinner. And they're like, and what did she make for dinner? What was she going to make? And he's like, some kind of tuna, macaroni stuff. And they're like... Okay, cool. So they had this big long talk about what was going to be fixed for dinner between 5 and 5.15 p.m. They both testify to this. However, at 624 p.m. that same night, Shauna Kay texts Nick's phone and the text message says, What's for dinner? Now, unless you're me and you could have a full conversation without any knowledge. Of what was said. I don't know how that happens. If you have an in-depth conversation about what you're gonna have for dinner, and then you directly thereafter text and say, Hey, what are we having for dinner? Like mm-hmm. that didn't even take place. Well, and she, you know, she says she ate around six. Well, why at six twenty-four then would you text and say, Hey, what's for dinner? Right. She texted him, Hey, what's for dinner? as if he's responsible for providing the dinner that night. Well, but is this second dinner? Like, are we talking fourth meal? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I guess the only way that I could see that this actually being true is if Shauna Kay was a husband. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because, like, when you have a conversation with your husband and then an hour later he texts you and asks you the exact question of what you just fucking talked about in detail, that could track (laughs) <laughs> but I think Shauna has a memory or she listens. And right. I don't I don't know which is true. And I'm not saying my husband does this. I'm just saying I've heard of husbands doing this. Right, right, right. I so would now never talk you badly want to about it. Husband. <laughs> exactly. But like my husband has pulled that shit with me, but it's because he wasn't listening to me in the first place. Right. But she doesn't say that. She doesn't say we talked about it and I forgot what he what we decided. She says we talked about it. And I cooked that dinner and ate it at 6 o'clock. So you remember that you ate it and you remember that you cooked it. But at 6.24, you don't remember why you texted that. Yeah. It's just... I confuse. I don't know. There's just... Yeah, there's just a lot of things about this day in particular that when you you look at each individual piece, because you could look at this just one piece and say you know, maybe she forgot. Maybe she fucking wasn't paying attention. Maybe her dad was talking and she was like, blah, 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 blah. And she was like thinking about something else. You know, that does happen. Sure. But that's not the only piece that either doesn't fit or is outright lied about on this Mm -hmm. day, you know? Yeah. So it's like the, you know, where, you know, you know, the thing with the elephant and all the men think that, you know, they touch the leg and they're like, it's a tree trunk. And they touch the tail and they're like, that's a rope. And they touch the, trunk and they're like it's you know and they they each think that they're right about it because they're only seeing one piece of it but when you zoom out you see the whole fucking elephant right like i'm talking about the whole fucking elephant i'm not talking about just this part you're talking about the forest not just the trees exactly yeah exactly oh i don't care about no trees who does really okay so that's one piece Another interview that investigators conducted shortly after Garrett's death was that of Ian Fairley. Remember, he is Nick's assistant coach. They wanted to verify the other part of Nick's alibi where he claimed that he had been with Ian Fairley. Investigators asked him about Nick's relationship with Tandy in the breakup, and they did ask him if Nick just came to him to create an alibi, and he like, no. But like, if he did, would he be like, Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Like, (laughs) what what did you think was going to happen there? I just don't understand. Is that like the same mentality that if you suspect someone's a cop and you're like, are you a cop? They They have to 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 say, yeah. Oh, that's it. Yeah. If somebody comes to you just to set up an alibi, you actually have to report that. Mm -hmm. When asked, yeah. Mm -hmm. Or it's like if you pee in the pool, turn blue. (laughs) God, you know, that one got me for a long time. (laughs) Now I've been been peeing freely for years. Oh, yeah. Pissing the night away. Yeah. (laughs) Hey y'all, did you know that we release an update all about us and what we're up to each week on our Patreon? It's called Tea to the Fourth Power Y, which is some time to talk to you, a nod to Not Another Teen Movie. Mm -hmm. And it's where we just gal pal with you about life, what we're watching, our love for Cracker Barrel Italian dressing. I mean, honestly, the sky's the limit. You never know what you're going to get, really. Mm-mm. If you want to catch an episode without being a patron, you are in luck. Just head over to killerqueens.link T-T-T-T-Y. Okay, time to talk to you. Four T's and a Y. And you'll get to hear a full episode for free. And you can get every single regular release episode ad-free for as little as $3 a month. That's less than half the price of the coffee I get at Starbucks, so. I know, that's crazy. I know, what a deal. Mm -hmm. And for $10 a month, you get all that plus our other two Patreon-exclusive shows, Murder Mixtapes, which is a full bonus case each week. Recent cases are Tara Grinstead, Hannah Cornelius, and New York Body Snatchers, just to name a few. And you also get our other Patreon-exclusive show, Doc Jams, which is where we cover true crime documentaries episode by episode. We've done Don't Fuck With Cats. We've done Crime Scene on Netflix. They have Cecil Hotel and Times Square Killer. We've done The Jinx. We've done so many more. So be sure to head to killerqueens.link slash T-T-T-T-Y to get your free episode and hundreds more episodes to download right now and binge when you become a member of our Patreon community. So, of course, he's like, no, he didn't do that. He said that um, he saw him during this time period in question and that he did not seem disheveled. He didn't seem upset. He didn't seem out of the ordinary whatsoever. So, and he also said that Nick would often just stop by his house unannounced. Sounds like a very Nick thing to do. Exactly. That would right piss me off, but fairly seemed okay with it. I don't like I don't visitors. Know. Don't well, visit me. <laughs> Torella. Uh, I'm sorry. I don't like that. But maybe it's like the, you know, friends, the TV show, not just the people, but like friends where right. they just would like just bust up into each other's houses and apartments and stuff. And it's like, that's fine. Yeah. But see how unrealistic that is? Yes. They got me people thinking don't that that's like what visitors. Do, but yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, no, I'm in my pajamas. I don't want to talk to anybody right now. Thank you very much. Right. But, I mean, you're right. You know, they may have had that relationship with each other. But, obviously, we use a lot of sarcasm in this show. Mm-hmm. But um, he said that he would stop by often. So, for him, he's saying, yeah, he, he like, swung by my house. But he did that all the time. That's not out of the ordinary. The only thing is, he he says he knows exactly what time Nick got to his house. Mm-hmm. And he knows this because he was on the phone when Nick walked in his house. Okay, here's the thing. He looks at it. He's in the investigation room, interrogation room, interview, <laughs> whatever. He's in, he's in there. He's in that room. And he's in the police asking questions room. Exactly. And it's videotaped. So we see this happening. And he says, actually, you know what? I made a phone call during that time. And I know that he was there while I was on that phone call. So, let me look at my phone records and see what it says. Oh, I called that number at 521 p.m. Yeah, you called it then. How you long were you on the phone? called it. Thank you. It does not take into account at all. Ian Fairley's recollection of that day is Nick walked in my house at 521 p.m. because that's when I called. Get this. It was like, what, a PlayStation game? Yes. Thing? Yes. I think he was calling for, like, customer service for that kind of thing or, like, trying to Yeah, he was like, yeah, he's trying to order a game or whatever. And either something was wrong with it or I can't remember what the. But have you ever been on the phone with a big company like that? You ain't going to get through right away. Exactly. You don't call at 521 and somebody answer and go, hello, PlayStation, how can I help you? Like you have to listen to the all the options and they have changed. (laughs) Don't ask. You better yes. listen carefully because they have recently changed. Yes. So if you know like, your party's extension, fuck off with that because you have to listen to this entire list. Exactly. Exactly. So like, and then the okay. whole music, and then it's like yeah. it's not that's not a streamlined situation. You don't just get in get out with that kind of thing. No. So maybe he. D- I mean, I believe I believe him that he called that number at five twenty one, and I believe him that Nick walked in his house while he was on that call, but we don't know how long he was on hold for before Nick walked in. Right. And a matter of a couple of minutes at this point could be all the difference. It's a tight timeline, but it could be all the difference because like we have said time and time again, Potsdam is no bigger than your mama's Jack Russell. So if you look at a map and we'll link to it in the show notes and somebody remind me to do that because I'm saying it now and I'm going to forget, but Mm -hmm. we'll link to a map in the show notes. But when I tell you they are right there. I am talking like like from here to right over there. You could just walk there. It's not far. Mm-hmm. It's like a block away. It's not far. So if we're talking five, six minutes, he's on hold. That's plenty of time. That could be enough. Yeah. yeah. And let's take into account that Nick is a very athletic person. Very athletic. He plays soccer and coaches soccer. What? is all soccer about running like mm-hmm. he, the the boy can run he had like no fat on his body yeah lots of abs several I'm of those ju- yes i'm just saying like it's some people have said like well i don't understand how it could take or how it could take such a little time for him to so a little time for him to get to from here to right over there but he's he's very athletic like it could happen i couldn't do it but it could happen Yeah, exactly, exactly. I couldn't do it, but somebody who's athletic could. Right. I mean, we all know that I tried to run for two minutes straight and damn near died. (laughs) That's a long time, though. It's a really long time. And it was in grass, but it was a whole thing. So anyway, (laughs) Um, needless to say, I did not go out for cross country. Um, The fact that you even thought you could. I know. Well, it didn't involve having to catch or throw a ball. And so that's where I, you know, yeah. I thought maybe I could because no balls, but no. Um. He also said that Nick left shortly after 5.23 p.m. But again, I don't. He's on the phone during that time. And haven't we discussed before when somebody gives such specific times like that? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like if I was recounting a day that I had, let's say yesterday, I don't know. I turned on 13 ghosts. I don't know about one or 120. I wasn't, it wasn't like 117. I pushed play. Right. Yeah. Now, if he hung up the phone at that exact moment and Nick was walking out the door and he knows he hung up at that exact moment, m- maybe, but that's, that's not from all accounts, it's not what happened here. He was on the phone during this time. Mm-hmm. So they said that they were supposed to have a meeting with one of the players at Clarkson that afternoon. And this player testified in the trial and he went through this whole thing that like he won, he had like this certain jersey number. And y'all, I don't fucking watch soccer. So I don't, there's some guy, it's the guy who has like the biggest Instagram account ever. That big Cristiano Ronaldo. Yes, that guy. Whatever number he is. parents ball. Yep. His same number is the same number that this kid had. And this kid was very excited about having that number because Ronaldo was like his like number one hero or whatever. And I think that's who it was because I remember hearing his name in the trial and being like, oh, I think that's the guy with the big Instagram that I read an article about or whatever. Don't know anything about his soccer skills, but he thought he'd been playing well that year. Apparently he hadn't been playing as well that year. Um, He felt kind of snubbed by Nick because like, He didn't get his same jersey number again. He applied to have the same jersey number. He got fucking number 10 and not number nine. He was pretty pissed about it. Mm. And so they were maybe going to discuss this at some point or something like that. I don't know. But anyway, he says, nobody ever told me about a meeting. I talked on the phone to Nick that day. But this wasn't a planned meeting at 530. We're going to meet up. No, this was not a planned meeting. And Ian Fairley actually testified that he was not aware of the meeting either. So uh, in person, he maybe knew that Nick was going to talk to him or something like that. But as far as everybody knowing that, like you said, at 5.30 or whatever time we're talking about, that we are going to go to XYZ Place and meet up with whatever the fuck his name is. I'm sorry, I just don't remember his name. There are three people that were supposed to be at that meeting and only one of them knew about it. And that's Nick Hillary. He's the only one that was like, oh, yeah, well, we had a meeting with him that night, so that's where I was going. And I believe now I could be, again, I have listened to a lot of trial testimony in this case. There's a um, There's a whole podcast called, oh, shit, I think it's called Day by Day, The Trial of Nick Hillary, and it's North Country Public Radio. They just covered the trial the whole way through. So you can listen to all of this where they talk about what each person testified to, but they did seem to talk on the phone. I feel like I have a recollection, and I could be wrong about this, that Nick had left him a message maybe that day, but in the message, he, he there's no mention of a meeting, like, hey, see you at whatever time for the meeting or whatever. Right. But he did show up to practice that evening. And from what we can tell, he wasn't in trouble for missing a scheduled meeting with his coaches. Right. So I take the meeting with a grain of salt Mm, mm -hmm. because it just doesn't, again, it doesn't add up. So anyway, we know that as late as 5.24 p.m., Officer Wentworth was still hearing movement inside of Garrett's apartment. So if Nick gets to Ian Fairley's apartment at 5.21 and he leaves at 5.23, then it's not Nick. Right. It can't be. Or Ian's house, whatever. But again, that 521 timestamp doesn't mean that that's when Nick walked in the door. It means that's when he got on the phone. right? And again, we know that he was on hold. So, I mean, and I know it's a tight, tight timeline. Police did know that Tandy had called Garrett at 4.30 p.m. that day. They were able to verify that. About 20 minutes later, around 4.50, the school's t- cust. Goodness. The school's custodian recalled seeing Garrett near a ramp that connected to the middle school um, or connected the middle school to the elementary school. And he said that Garrett had his ripstick with him, but he was alone. Garrett was then seen by his cousin Kayla outside of the high school, and he was headed towards the parking lot at that point. He told Kayla that he was going home. Surveillance video showed Garrett skating through the parking lot towards the main street at 4.52 p.m. because remember, it took him 20 minutes to leave when his mom said GTFO. <laughs> However, there was something else on the video footage that investigators found interesting. So a blue SUV was seen entering the same parking lot at 4.47 p.m. I want to go back up and see. Okay, so she said, Shauna Kay says he leaves the house around 4.40 I can't imagine it would take seven minutes, but, you know, if we're given or taken, sounds about right. Yeah. So the blue SUV looks identical to Nick's, and it sat by the tennis courts for three or so minutes before it finally pulls into a parking spot. And in a later deposition, Nick confirms that this is him in his vehicle. Now, up until his deposition, he won't admit that. He will only admit it looks similar to his car. Mm -hmm. But in the deposition, he finally says, yes, that was me. I was in that parking lot. That doesn't look good. No. He said that he had gone to watch the soccer game that day, the high school soccer game, because remember, he's a college coach, so he's going to go and recruit this game. Is that how you call it? Recruit? I don't know. Sure. I don't know. He's like scouting Scouting, after like, yeah, yeah, fine, whatever. I don't know what the containment verb for scouting and recruiting is, (laughs) But that's what he was supposed to go for. He was supposed to go watch these high schoolers and see who he wanted to, like, scout out for college. hmm Be a um, soccer quarterback. Exactly. Yeah. You need a yeah. good quarterback. That's for damn sure. Everybody knows okay. that. Right. Um, but he ended up only staying a few minutes. He never got out of his car because he said the rain never stopped. 16 seconds after Garrett is seen skating out of the parking lot, Nick's SUV follows suit. And when we say Nick's SUV follows suit, I encourage you to watch the surveillance video. It's not like he was already pulling out of the parking lot around the same time and it just happened to be. Nick is parked and he like reverses and flips around and follows the same direction Garrett is going. Mm Mm-hmm. It's not a happenstance sort of thing. Mm -mm. He goes out of his way to go in that same direction if you watch how he has to pull out. And police also observed that when his SUV gets to the exit of the school, he would normally turn right, which is Leroy Street, which is the street he lives on. Right is already his street. He makes a left. And in order to get to his house from left... He's got to go way the fuck around. Mm-hmm. He's got to bring it around town. <laughs> but I mean, he has a reason for that. He does. He says that that's when he was headed to Ian Fairley's home. And he says he didn't even see Garrett skate by. He had no idea that that happened. It just happened to be the exact moment that he decided to leave that parking lot and go to Ian Fairley's home. Hmm. Curiouser and curiouser. Mm-hmm. If he went to Ian Fairley's house, why was he back home at 5 then? That's true. If he's leaving, let's see, he stays, he pulls in at 447. Tori, that's so right. It, none of it matches up. If he pulls in at 447 and he stays for three-ish minutes and then Garrett rides by, mm-hmm. that's 450-ish. But Shauna Kay says that He's back home. But he's back home at 5. At 5. And they talked and for he, 15 minutes. And leaves. then he leaves And again. then he goes to Ian's house because yeah. he, he doesn't get to Ian's house till 521 per Ian. You're right. So what's he doing from 452 to 521? He's not going straight to Ian's house, is he? No. I don't get it. But that's what he says happened, y'all. He says he went to Ian's house from there. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason why he turned left. And his defense is, I can't be in two places at the same time. I was at Ian Fairley's house, so I couldn't be at Garrett's house. Well, apparently you can because you were also at your apartment. And <laughs> exactly. You were, yeah. Exactly. I don't, I mean, am I taking crazy pills here? Like, I don't. I know. And and listen, are there reasons you might lie about something like that? Sure. And, and none of them, they might not include because you're covering up a murder. Exactly. It could be that you are sleeping with the mayor's wife and you don't want anybody to know about that. Right. It could be because you are a famous workout instructor who has sold many, many aerobics and workout things to people, but you were going to get liposuction. Okay. Okay. Yep. See, lots of reasons. It could be that you were going to buy some drugs. I don't want anybody to know about that. There's a lot of different reasons that you might lie about something like that, nothing was uncovered via his phone records. And mind you, during this time, Nick's phone goes, it doesn't go dead, but it goes silent. Mm -hmm. This is a man who is constantly texting, calling, all this stuff. During this particular time period, there is no activity on his phone. Shouldn't he leave his phone on if he's got a planned meeting later? What if somebody had to cancel? I mean, that's just irresponsible. There you go. So clearly, the police had made up their minds regarding Nick, and you know that has some influence on the community as well. Brian Phillips, Garrett's uncle, said that there was absolutely no doubt in his mind that Nick murdered his nephew, and he told an interviewer that he felt that Nick should be arrested and sent to prison to pay for what he did. Despite not having been arrested or formally charged with anything, Nick said that his standing in the community dramatically changed. He went from being a well-respected coach and member of the Potsdam community to solely being associated with the murder of a child. And he was harassed often. People screamed murderer at him in public. There were signs across the city with pictures of Garrett on them that read justice for Garrett. Even fairly felt as though the community was targeting him for continuing to support Nick's alibi. He went to coach a soccer game in Buffalo and there were justice for Garrett signs all over the stadium. He said that he even went to visit his uh, parents in a town far away from Potsdam, and there were signs lining the street that his parents lived on. Now, I can understand how that might make you feel, and I'm not saying that it's not true, but I don't know if they were directly targeted at—it didn't say arrest Nick Hillary for murdering Garrett Phillips. It just said justice for Garrett, which is true. Let's get justice for Garrett. Right. I mean, I do think they were trying to put the pressure on him. Oh, sure, and, sure, You sure. know, in some way, like, because it is so far away. It's not like they're just in Potsdam. It's everywhere. It's it's places that Ian Fairley is associated with as well. Well, and up and down his parents' yeah, street and stuff kind like that. Yeah. You know, and in our justice system, you are supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. But in fact, it's the exact opposite. Yeah. I mean, Humans, In most cases. I just don't think are capable of that, honestly. Yeah. We tend to lean toward... I mean, it's how our brains work. We lean toward the negative. Like, yeah, I don't know. But, you know, I... I it, this is such a case that it's so hard because, you know, we feel one way about what probably happened, but we also don't feel like there was evidence enough... To support it. Yeah. So... To support a conviction, right. So the way that it should be is, I mean, even if you believe that Nick Hillary is guilty, if he's not convicted of it, then he should not lose his job in his life, Mm-mm. because there are so many innocent people that that happens to. Oh yeah, absolutely. So you you just that's why you can't do that unless somebody's been proven guilty, right. And it does suck if you really believe that this person did this and they're walking around and still having their job and all these things. But like, look at the other side of that coin. Candy Montgomery. <laughs> Ugh, yeah. If you've got an innocent person and they're losing their livelihood just because their name was mentioned in a murder investigation, like we cannot have that. Mm-mm. Because police are going to investigate people until they get to the one person. Like They are going to investigate more people and have to rule them out so we can't do that with every single person that's investigated like it right just... it's not fair and yeah. to lose for your entire life to be gone in a second just because you're associated with something that has not been proven that yeah and I feel like you know Ian Fairley is I think just I I honestly do believe that Ian Fairley is telling the police what he believes to be true yeah and also, Nick Hillary's children should not have to suffer for this. Oh my God, absolutely not. You know? And honestly, let's just get through and then we'll, we'll, okay. Yeah. Make, yeah, yeah. yeah Cause we're getting ahead of ourselves and I have, I have more to say. But okay. So Nick was told that he wasn't welcome back on campus to t- uh, coach or teach, almost a coach, t- to coach or teach. His apartment complex told them that they could not renew his lease and even offered him an incentive payment to vacate his apartment early. That's terrible he's got to live somewhere no matter what. See, that's the thing though. What you think and what's proven different. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can't, you can't make rash decisions. And I just don't get it. It's just, it's, it's not fair. But so in January of 2012, Nick filed a civil suit against the Potsdam police department and the town. And he stated that he was falsely imprisoned when he was held for questioning against his will and that he was suffering because of how he'd been treated. And I get that. Mm -hmm. But during his deposition for the suit, he was required to answer questions under oath. And this is when he confirmed that the blue SUV seen on surveillance video was his. And he had previously denied or at least not admitted the vehicle was his, only that it was similar to, like we said, but now he puts himself in the same parking lot as Garrett minutes before his death and leaving the same parking lot, traveling in the same direction, like we said. So <laughs> the civil suit kind of bit him right in the ass, didn't it? It did. The prosecutor calls the civil suit the gift that keeps on giving mm-hmm. because really- of this, because this is when Nick puts himself in the parking lot. It. It is the gift that keeps on giving until it's not. And we'll talk about why. Exactly. Um, so he said that he went there to watch a soccer game, to scout it for his college recruitment and was waiting for the rain to break, but it didn't. So he goes home, which is very interesting because um, he initially parks in an area that is completely obstructed and he cannot in any way see the game at no. all. He But he doesn't move his car. Then the back of the parking lot is facing away from the game and into the tree line. He does move his car. I think oh, you said, but he doesn't move his car. But I think you meant he, but he does move his car. Sorry. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> You're like, but he doesn't move his car to the back of the parking lot. But he didn't where move there. the there. Where the game is, is facing away and there's no tree lines so, up. Yeah. Exactly. Um, pretend as if I got that right and that he did move his car because he actually did. But he moved it to an even worse spot. Yeah. At least where his car was before he would be in the general direction. He would fart in the general direction of the game. But yes. it was still obstructed by a bunch of other stuff. Then he moves it to the back of the parking lot where he'd have to look in his rearview mirror, which is still going to be obstructed by all the other shit that was there in the first place. But like he wouldn't be able to see it out his windshield. I'm guessing that scouting for players not going to be easy if you're looking at a bunch of trees. Well, I mean, I wouldn't either. Now, again, soccer coaches, let us know. Do you often watch trees instead of games when you're scouting players? Maybe, Maybe that's the case. If that is the case... I can do that. Oh, sure. I can watch some trees. So, I don't know. It's just, it doesn't make any sense, right? But he, sa- he says specifically that he's there to watch the game, but he doesn't see any second of it because he is not in the right spot. No, and he never leaves his car. Nope. And that is, I mean, he said it's because of the rain, but still. hmm You knew it was raining before you left the house, I'm guessing. It had rained all day it long. It had been raining all day long. Yes, he knew it was raining. And when Garrett rides by on his ripstick... You, I'm not saying that it's not raining, and I'm not saying that the surveillance video isn't grainy or anything because it is, but it's not like fucking pouring down. Like, what about an umbrella? Light rain, yeah. Yeah, If you're scouting and you're supposed to do that for work, again, I don't know how. I don't know how pressing that is. I don't know if it's one of those things where you get there and you're like, eh, it's kind of drizzling. I don't even feel like fucking with it, so I'll just do a different game. Yeah, I don't know if this game was particularly important, you know, but like. It's not raining so hard that you can't see. And and his daughter, Shauna Kay, had walked home before this. He didn't go pick her ass up. Mm-mm. And he's talking about it like it's a torrential downpour. Well, and the soccer players are soccering out there. If it was sure that bad, are. wouldn't they cancel the game? Yeah. But and anyway, when he so- got there, he says in his deposition that the game was already in progress when he got there. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he was waiting for it to start or anything like that either. Right. But he sits... Hey, you guys, um, it's us again. Yay, it's us. We threw you for a loop on this one. (laughs) Uh, So we know that a lot of you have been asking like WTF, where are episodes 1 through 44? And guess what? Now you can have them. So let's just remember, though, we need you to take a little caution here. We didn't know exactly what we were doing back then. And we started this podcast as just a fun thing to do as sisters. We had no idea that it would grow into this super awesome club with you guys. So what we're saying is the audio wasn't super amazing, but the content is 100% us. Just being us and talking about some true crime with 90s flair. Okay, so here are the details. You'll be able to access our what we're calling OG episodes in your favorite podcast app through a private and custom RSS feed link. So to grab that, head over to killerqueens.link OG and snag episodes 1 through 44 today. That's killerqueens.link OG. Hey, you guys, have you ever wondered about the backstory, like why we call our dad Miss KB? We have gotten this question so many times, we thought we'd release a little freebie for you. So we recorded a Patreon exclusive Q and A last year, and be warned, we were outside and there was some wind. Mm -hmm. Where we answered this question, and we want y'all to have the answer, even if you're not a patron. Yeah, so be sure to head to killerqueens.link/slash misskb m i s s k b and grab the audio. And don't forget, if you want the full Q and A or access to our entire catalog of over 450 patron-only episodes. With all our regular episodes ad-free, you can join the Patreon for less than one and a half Starbucks drinks per month. I mean, that's a good deal. It's a steal. It is. It's a steal. You'll get four episodes per week from us, all ad-free, plus anything fun we do like Q&As or literally anything else. So definitely check it out. And not every tier includes every episode. Yeah, we do have different tiers. So just be sure everything's listed out there when you check it out. But in the meantime, be sure to grab your free audio about Miss KB and how he came to be called that at killerqueens.link slash Miss KB. For several minutes, and then he leaves just after Garrett is seen riding by. And like Terrell said, I mean, he reverses and he has to go against the grain to follow the same direction as Garrett. So when he's asked why he turned left of the parking lot rather than right, which is the fastest way home, like we said, he says that when he does turn right, it's because he's driving to Nick Fairley's house and Nick said that he drove, or I said Nick Fairley, Ian Fairley's house, and Nick said that he drove by to see if he was home, which he was. Yes, he was. But again, this is 452. <laughs> True. He's home at 452, but Nick doesn't go in his house at 452. No. He doesn't go in, supposedly, until 521. Exactly. So, the thing about this is that during his sworn deposition, when asked where did you go after you left the high school, he says home. He never says anything about Ian's house, who he was needing, you know, that he had this meeting or anything like that. He just says home. But in the documentary, Who Killed Garrett Phillips, he later says that he never said straight home. <laughs> he makes a big deal about this. Do you remember this in the documentary? He was yeah. like, he was like, yeah. They asked me like, where did you go after, and I said home, and he's like, I didn't say straight home. Okay, I just said home. 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 <laughs> yeah, but you don't say you went to Ian's then, you say you went to Ian's at 5:20 something. Mm-hmm. And here's the deal. If I asked Nick, "Hey, what did you do last night?" Oh, I went home. I don't need all the information, right? I don't need I don't need to know like, "Well, what did you do anything before that? Did yeah. you make a stop on the way home?" If I'm a police officer asking these questions or if it's in a deposition. Uh-huh. Where you are under oath. Yes, you have to give details. So the difference between straight home and home, if home implies, if I leave Torella's house and I'm like, I'm going to go home, but then I stop at the gas station. Sure, if I say I'm going to go straight home, that means I'm coming straight home, no stops. Mm -hmm. That matters. But, and the question wasn't, where did you ultimately sleep that night? Home. Because see, because remember, he didn't just go to Ian Fairley's house. Then they had practice at fucking seven o'clock. So yeah. like you weren't home for the remainder of the night. The question was, where did you go when you were leaving that? when you lot? left that parking lot? And he did not go home. No, because that would be absurd to go home. Because like you said, he lived like two shakes of his dick to the right. Mm hmm. It was not to the left. It doesn't make any sense. To, why go left when you have to go right? It just doesn't make yeah. any sense. And if so, if he like if he had gone left and like gone the long way around, he probably could have gotten back. Well, I'm sure he could because again, this is like a tiny area. He could have gotten back when Shauna K says he gets back home. Right? He gets back home at five, and then he leaves again at five fifteen. Sure. And then at five fifteen, he leaves and he goes straight to Ian Fairley's house. But again, 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 I say. that's not what he says he did no he says that later he corroborates shauna k's story later Mm -hmm. but when they ask he says this is when he goes to ian fairley's house Mm -hmm. the thing is it's just nothing is adding up nothing is making any sense the timelines are off and the timelines that are off are from nick yes Lieutenant Murray was deposed as well, and Nick's attorney, Manny Tafari, w- questioned Murray about his claim under oath that the surveillance footage showed Nick, quote, stalking Garrett. And Murray had to admit that at no point was he able to see Nick in the video. And I mean, it doesn't Which, matter because it, Nick put himself in the vehicle. Like, that's his Right. Vehicle. Like, they they kind of make this as like a big win, and they're like, oh, well, um can you be sure who it is that you see driving that vehicle? And he's like, no, I can't. But your guy just told me it was fucking him. So... <laughs> Like, the jig so is up. So it was him, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like, that That doesn't help you at all. Aha, so you didn't know that <laughs> exactly. it was Nick. And it's like, Nick's like, yeah, I already said it was me. Yeah, it was me, though, but you didn't know that. Right. He doesn't know that we know that he knows that we know. <laughs> exactly. Investigators were also forced to admit that there was no actual physical evidence linking Nick to the murder. And District Attorney Nicole, I'm going to call her Duvet, I cannot remember how you say her last name. I think name. it was Duvet. okay. Nicole Duvet explained that to, or to the public that, quote, if there was sufficient evidence at this point, someone would be charged. The DNA found under Garrett's fingernails was tested against Nick in a true, oh gosh, allele. allele? Mm-hmm. Got it right, yay. In a true allele test, but there was no definite match. The fingerprints pulled from the windowsill in Garrett's apartment did not match Nick either. Two and a half years went by with no charges filed and no further suspects named in Garrett's murder. Nick's life remained completely changed, though. He was unemployed and left being a stay at home caretaker for his five children. It was extremely difficult for him to go out in public, and it was clear that he was still the only suspect in the minds of the community and the police. The city had not forgotten about Garrett's murder, and when time came for electing a DA, the community wanted a change. Okay. So in late 2013, Mary Rain ran against Nicole Dubé for the position of district attorney in St. Lawrence County. And Mary Rain made it clear that bringing Garrett's case, quote, back to the forefront and making an arrest was a top priority for her. And she does this while, like, with Tandy standing right next Mm -hmm. to her. And there's a 2020 on this case. And Elizabeth Vargas is like, but it wasn't really out of the public's. Forefront, right? Like, yeah, like everybody was still talking about it all the time, right? Right. And they were like, well, yeah, but like, but like more. I mean, this is clearly just a political move. Absolutely. That's all this is. Rain criticized Duvet and said that, quote, she wasn't proactively investigating Garrett's death and should have made an arrest at that point. And of course, Mary Rain wins the election. Oh, I have so many feelings. I have so many feelings. I so, Reign using this case as a way to be elected as DA mm-hmm. and then making all of these promises that you can't, it should not be able to deliver because of reasons. Um, because of like fair criminal justice. Right. And you have like Eminem, you got one shot. Don't miss your chance to blow this opportunity comes once in a lifetime. Like you, you cannot retry nope. a person if you rush it And it doesn't go your way. You don't get the outcome that you want. Then you fuck it up. Yeah. And then you you have broken this promise to a mother who has lost a child to a Mm -hmm. murderer. Mm -hmm. Like, and to accuse Duvet of not proactively investigating when mm -hmm. we, oh God, I just, I, I don't want to give it away, but it's like, we're no closer now than we were then. And it's just not true. Exactly. It's not true. It's not true. And like, Duvet did the right thing. Yeah. She did. So six months later, on May 12, 2014, Rain presented evidence to the grand jury with the intent to secure an indictment against Nick Hillary for the second-degree murder of Garrett Phillips. She told reporters that she had, quote, extensive evidence that Nick was guilty, both physical and circumstantial. Do we, though? Bold move. Cotton, let's Oops. see if it pays off. Like, Yeah. So three days later, the grand jury returned with the indictment, and Nick was arrested. He was held in the local jail for 70 days, and he says that every time there was a hearing scheduled, something new would surface that would require it to be pushed back, and then he would be sent back to jail. So he finally was released on bail in July of that year. Investigators estimated that Garrett's time of death was approximately 5.06 p.m., and they used this to try to poke holes in Nick's alibi during the testimony for the grand jury, And I feel really bad for his daughter, Shauna Kay, because Mm -hmm. she's caught between a rock and a hard place here. Absolutely. And again, she's a child when this happens. She's she's a minor. Mm -hmm. Is it possible? Because we know you. you, We have talked about it till we're blue in the face. He can't be home with Shauna Kay when she says he's home with her, and be at Ian Fairley's house like he says he left straight from school and went to Ian Fairley's, and you know all these things. We know that these all all these things can't be true. So there's something somewhere that's not true. Now, is it easier to tell a child, remember I was home with you that day? Remember we had that talk about what was for dinner? That could have very easily been the day before that. And he's placing that in her mind. Mm-hmm. And she begins to merge the two together and be like, yeah, that's the same day. Well, how come you sent a text at 624 that said, what's for dinner? I don't know. That doesn't make sense because we definitely talked about dinner and he was definitely home at five, between five and I'm not really sure why that happened. Like, there's manipulation that can happen there. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that just because he's a suspect in a murder. I'm saying that because we have so many different timelines that do not add up and cannot add up. Mm-hmm. So somebody's not telling the truth, and I don't necessarily believe it's nefariously. It's just what's happening. Right. But— Shauna Kay was in high school, and she was called to testify in front of the grand jury. And, you know, Rain says that the estimated time of death would have given Nick time to park his car and jog two blocks. So they think that he parked his car at Ian Fairley's house, jogged over to Garrett's, killed him, and then jogged back over to Ian Fairley's house, possibly. And they don't know that. That's a theory. She believed that he could have done this in 45 seconds. I don't know shit about jogging. Mm-mm. I don't know how quick you can run. I remember in the Darley Routier case, they estimated that, remember, um, there was something, was it the knife or the bloody sock or whatever that was found like way far away from the house? It was the bloody sock. Okay, the bloody sock. And it was found a certain amount, half, whatever, something like this, away, a few blocks or whatever. And I was like, oh damn, that would take forever to jog. And then I looked it up and it was like, minuscule amount of time to jog that and I was like oh shit okay well just it would be long for me so again I don't know but this is what the prosecution alleges um she believed that he had a key to the apartment um we know that Tandy asked for her key back but they believe they don't know this they believe that he had asked for a copy or he had made a copy before he gave her the key back and they think that he opened the door to the apartment and when Garrett recognized it was him, he tried to push him out. An argument ensued, and Garrett was killed. Afterwards, Nick escaped through the window. He jogged back to his vehicle and parked near Fairley's home. Rain questioned Shauna Kay about her claims that her father was home during this time. But the judge ultimately cited her for prosecutorial misconduct because she was badgering a child mm-hmm. and asking her inappropriate questions. This prosecutor just cannot fucking help herself. No. And I, oh gosh, it's like certain other people that need to have their Twitters or whatever taken away, mm-hmm. their buds taken away yep. because they can't help themselves. It's like, yeah. she can't handle the freedom and the privilege of being a prosecutor. Mm-mm. If you want it, again, I say, if you want it to stick, do it the right fucking way. Yes, exactly. That's the thing. And then... Who are you benefiting by doing this? Yeah, and then turning around and blaming it on everybody else when it's your own damn fault. Exactly. Yeah. You know why Nicole Duvet didn't do this shit? Because there wasn't enough evidence. Yeah, and she knew that. Exactly. So in October of 2014, the judge dismissed the indictment against Nick because of this. But guess what? Rain ain't done. Mm -mm. On February 25th, 2015, she convened yet another grand jury and Nick was indicted again for Garrett's murder. So before the trial, the prosecution petitioned the judge to enter new DNA results to be used at trial. This pertained to the DNA found under Garrett's fingernails. Despite having or it having been tested earlier and not having a definite match, the prosecution had the very small sample analyzed by a new test called StarMix. Mm-hmm. During the DNA hearing, the judge admitted that the star mix test had been very had been accepted as evidence in New York courts before, but the size of the DNA sample was very, very small. Like smaller than your mama's guinea pig. Mm-hmm. Not even a Jack Russell guinea pig. Mm-hmm. So and the judge felt it was unclear as to whether the test was reliable for such small amounts. And the star test or the star mix results, quote, found a statistically likely match and the doctor told the judge that his recommendation was to validate the sample in house which was never done and i'm not sure exactly what that means but we would venture to say maybe it's like like a test in a verified facility that yeah somebody who has Star credentials Mix, yes. or experience using this type of test because at this time it is a newer test right um yeah and i mean Ultimately, the judge didn't allow it in. No, and uh-uh. I I think that's the right move. Yeah, I mean you can't you can't call you can't bring something into evidence when it's like a maybe or could we're be not right sure. could be wrong exactly. Yeah. Like I've we've seen the innocence files. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. We know the DNA is not rock solid. Right. There's different, and this this sample was just so small. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe today. You could do this test with a with a sample that small, and maybe now, you know, you forensic scientists solid, all over have said, mm-hmm. yep, that's reliable, but at this time, it wasn't. I mean, and you have to go with that, and I think that that is the smartest and most responsible yeah. way to handle it. Yeah. Judge Felix Katina, favorite judge. Hands down. Great. Great judge. Before there were cats named Felix, there were people named Felix. I think if you look that up, you'll find the exact opposite is true. <laughs> So 10 jurors were selected for the trial, and DA Rain even said that she knew one of the jurors and that she, or that she knew he'd be a fair juror. Did you just hear what you said? Yeah. The prosecutor says, oh, I know this juror. He'll be really fair. Uh, We hang out on the weekends and shit, and he's a super fair guy. We play racquetball together. What the fuck? No, he won't. Mm Mm-mm. Like, even if he tries to be, no, he won't. Yeah, he cannot help but be biased. He inherently trusts you. Yeah, because you guys are friends. What is happening here? No, I don't understand how... I mean, it ended up working out for him, but, like, how they didn't push for a change of venue or something. I mean, what they did was, I think, the right move, but anyway. I do, too. But, yes, okay. So, the um, in September of 2006, Nick asked the judge for a bench trial, wanting to forgo having a jury at his trial, The verdict at a bench trial is decided solely by the judge. I'm sure a lot of you know, but if you don't, there you go. So before accepting Nick's request, the judge warned him about the risks of a bench trial, and he said that he had already seen the DNA reports, including the Starmix results. He had seen the notes from the grand jury and other things that the regular jury may not see during a trial. And Judge Katina said, quote, I can assure you that you won't influence me, but I want you to know I have seen those things. Top notch. Stand up Stand up guy. guy. Come on. And Nick acknowledged these points, but still requested a bench trial, which was granted. I mean, just by Judge Katina saying that, even if I didn't think I had a good chance, I'd be like, I trust you with... Implicitly, yeah. yeah. I trust you with everything I have. Uh huh. Because he didn't have to say that. No, he should have to say that, but he didn't have to say that. Yeah, and in fact, a lot of people probably don't say exactly. that. Exactly, but- and... I think that if he had had that jury trial, Mm -hmm. it wouldn't have gone the same way. Oh, Lord, no. Because juries, especially in child murder cases, their Mm -hmm. emotions—again, we're humans, and we're not trained—it's very hard for us to separate the emotion of a child being murdered and looking at a case and saying, but I have to just apply the law to the facts— Mm-hmm. I can't let my emotions cloud my judgment. I can't let this, like, but I kind of feel like he's guilty, but I don't see any evidence backing it up. Yeah. And a judge can do that. Man, yep. that was a fucking smart decision. hmm I mean— so the trial proceeded with Garrett's family testifying as well as Tandy's ex-boyfriend, Sheriff Deputy John Jones. And there were character witnesses brought in for Nick as well as his daughter Anne Fairley to confirm his alibi, which one? However, mid-trial, a new witness came to light. The defense discovered that the prosecution had a meeting with an inmate at Attica Prison, Gregory Brown. Brown alleged that he saw a man enter Garrett's apartment building on the day of his murder and he identified the man as John Jones. Rain, of course, said that this story was a complete fabrication. Brown, who was serving time for rape, firearm possession, and assault, and his lawyer both said that he was not looking to trade information for early release, as he was due to, uh, for release in 2002. No, 2022. 2022. So while Nick's defense team requested a mistrial due to the fact that the prosecution hid this meeting from them, Judge Katina denied the request and the trial continued. Brown's testimony was never found to be supported. Yeah. And Mary Rain again on this one, she's like, Excuse me? I don't I don't know a Gregory Brown. I have no idea who you're talking about. And then she's like, Oh shit. Yeah. Um Okay, I do remember that guy now. Um, He totally slipped my mind. I didn't think it was a big deal because I thought that we, you know, investigated it and figured out that he was lying anyway. So I didn't think I needed to turn it over. If it was like a not true statement, that's my bad. I totally, (laughs) uh, like, if it had been true, I would have turned it over. And that was like just, you know, I was really tired that day and I didn't have my coffee. And rain (laughs) does not give a shit about rules she's she does what she mm -hmm. she wants to do whatever the fuck she wants to do (sighs) it's not okay no matter who you have to step on or leave dead and bloodied and buried along the way exactly so one of the last witnesses was andrew carranza And he was the neighbor who'd been outside changing attire with his girlfriend when the murder took place. They'd had the clear view of the window that it was believed the murderer exited from. In his initial statements to police, he told them how he and his girlfriend had heard noises. He never told them that he'd seen anyone in the window, let alone who it was. And in fact, in that statement, he specifically says we never saw anyone. Yeah, exactly. He says that. Right. The day of the murder, he says we never saw anybody. Right. And they, of course, I think the girlfriend was like, man, if we had just been there like earlier or later, we, we could have seen him. Yeah, literally, if we had stayed outside one more minute, could we mm-hmm. have seen this person? Yep. Like literally said that. But anyway. So prior to him being called as a witness, Carranza had a phone conversation with his ex-girlfriend, the one that he was with that day, where she asked him why he just told the prosecution that he'd seen a black male in the window that day. And one of the defense attorneys found out he planned to say this in court and told the ex-girlfriend so she could figure out, like, why he's saying this. And Carranza told her that he could see a person that day but essentially couldn't tell who it was because his skin was so dark. But I'm just going to put it to you this way. That was a very cleaned up and nicer way of saying what he said. We're just going to, to sum up, that's basically what he said. So Yeah, we are not going to repeat the way that he wanted that. no, 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 no. And because of this, the defense did not ask Carranza on the stand about the ethnicity of the person he saw that day. Thank God. Less than a month after the trial started, Judge Katina was ready to deliver his verdict, and he found Nick Hillary not guilty on the charge of murder. The community and Garrett's family were stunned. They couldn't believe that Nick wasn't convicted, and Rain said that the trial verdict what didn't change her opinion in the least about his guilt. She said, quote, just because he's not guilty doesn't mean he's innocent. Now, do I agree with that? Yeah. hmm Do I think that you screwed the fucking pooch on it? Yeah. Yeah. Also, yes. Like, <sighs> this is your fault. This is your fault. This is your fault. You rushed a prosecution. You brought something to trial just for your political gain with mm-hmm. not nearly enough evidence to convict. And this judge rightfully saw it that way. Mm-hmm. and guess what um there's a little thing called uh, i don't know if you've heard of it it's called double jeopardy yeah now you're fucked yes come on go watch the movie it's a great movie but maybe Damn. it'll teach you something about your fucking job exactly exactly because everything in the movies are true oh and we know that yeah. i mean ashley judd would not be in a movie that isn't 100 percent factual that's, i like to look at her movies as documentaries that's true that's just true exactly all right so, it was obvious that despite the court's ruling, many people believed that Nick had gotten away with murder. And there are also many who feel that this was a case of tunnel vision and never should have led to trial to a trial in the first place. Now, we're going to get into our conclusions, our feelings. I know we've kind of... We've alluded to it. <laughs> yeah. If, uh, if, if um, nothing else. Yeah. yeah. We kind of lean toward both of these being true in some ways. So, we do believe i won't speak for you but i believe sounds like you are yeah the lady will have a salad (laughs) (laughs) i believe that nick is most likely the perpetrator but they did not prove his guilt beyond a reasonable doubt in court and therefore he should have been acquitted i agree oh do you Tarello, you know we've talked about this to we in the <laughs> face. We both know that we feel that way. <laughs> exactly. So we did watch a video um, by Kenneth Maines. He's a cold case investigator and author. God, he's good. Yeah, I, I really liked his video. Um, he walks through this case like through the lens of an investigator's perspective. And what he had to say was pretty interesting. So one of the reasons that robbery was ruled out early on is be- and so, he, I mean, he basically, like, he takes from the crime scene and he says, okay, we're going to analyze the crime scene and we're going to go through the victimology like we already talked about. Garrett was 12 years old. He didn't have any enemies, okay? He's not a, quote, high-risk victim. It's, you know, he's maybe a little bit more at risk by going to and from his school on his own. Mm-hmm. You know, that might elevate his risk a little bit. Uh, one of the things that elevates his risk a little bit is the fact that his mom is a bartender. Is there anything wrong with being a bartender and being a mom? Absolutely not. But there might be people who come to the bar that maybe want to date Tandy. And, you know, just the more, the more people that know you, know who you are, that might have an infatuation with you. Well, according to Murray, Detective Murray, she's, people are trying to get with her. Yeah. Very, very beautiful woman. And I'm not saying she's not, but... Remember his whole thing in the interrogation. Yeah, exactly. And if like typically, and again, there's absolutely nothing wrong with being a single mom or anything like that. Of course not. But typically, like, you know, say Andrew and I were no longer together and I started meeting guys on the Internet and started dating them and started letting them come to my house that puts my kids at a higher risk than they are right now with not that many people who are not well known to me coming in and out of my house. You see, Mm -hmm. if I was selling cupcakes out of my house to strangers on the internet, that would put, you know, it's not, it's not saying Tandy was single. Therefore, you know, that's not what we're saying. But what we're saying is anytime you have, you know, people that you don't know super, super well, there could be an elevated risk. And there's lots of different ways that that can happen. For Tandy, it was the bartending and the fact that she was dating, right? hmm It just is. But he doesn't have enemies. We know that because he's fucking 12 years old. So... Right. You know, you got it. Then you've got to look at, you know, his family and his, you know, situation that. I mean, I hope to God that they looked at, you know, his stepfather and any of his like business dealings, stuff like that. Like you need to look at all those things. Robbery was ruled out early on because nothing was taken. That's not the only reason, but that's one of the reasons. Now, could someone have been attempting a robbery and Garrett walked in? And they strangled him, and nothing was taken because Garrett surprised them and they strangled him. And they're like, oh fuck, I gotta get out of here. That's possible. Or maybe because they ended up having to jump out the window so they couldn't carry shit with them or something. That's possible. But there was no forced entry either. (laughs) This is on the second floor. It's a second floor apartment. It's a second floor apartment. You are not going to get into that apartment without going through the front door of that apartment. Because we know that the perpetrator, when they left, they didn't climb down the fire escape to get out. They jumped. You can jump down, but you sure as fuck can't jump up to a second story window. No. It's simply not going to happen. I would like to see you try. <laughs> but I could scale that wall. <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, okay. Like, if that's not going to happen. Yeah. So, this person had to have walked in the door. They had to have either been let in by Garrett So somebody known to him or they had a key. Those are the two options because we have no forced entry. Also, the time of day. It's five o'clock in the afternoon. What time does everybody typically get home from work? Around five o'clock. Yeah, that's when people are getting off work. That's when kids are getting home from school. If they have a practice after school, like all these things. It Is very unlikely that somebody is going to be like, I'm gonna fucking go rob somebody right now at five o'clock. Like, unless you're the wet bandits, the world's worst bandits. I mean, all times exactly. Like, you know, is it possible? Sure. Is it likely? No. And it's also an apartment building that only has the four units. So if you walk into that building, you're more likely to be seen. It's not like it's it's a hotel where you might go down one aisle, aisle, uh, hallway, <laughs> hallway. <laughs> and, like, only Never the people in that hallway restore. might see you, you know? Like, everybody in the fucking building is going to see you if you go in there, if any of them come out, you know? Like, it's... You, yeah, and would it make more sense if it was a robbery to hit one of the downstairs apartments first? Yes, exactly. And, like, It could be somebody that lived in the building. Maybe it's somebody that knew that Tandy was a bartender, right? So who are the people that would know Tandy's a bartender and she's not going to be home during that time? Possibly people that live in the building. Maybe they've noticed that she, you know, maybe Garrett usually has practice after school. I wish we had more information about what Garrett did after school on a regular basis. Yeah. Did he typically have practice on those days? Would he typically have been gone from the home during that time? Would he typically have gone to a friend's house after that or something, you know? Mm -hmm. I wish we knew more about his routine after-school schedule. So we could know or get a better idea of what, did he surprise somebody in the act of doing something? Exactly. what Would it have been expected for him to be there or not be there? Right. But, you know, if somebody in the building knows that they're typically gone during this time, maybe somebody wanted to run over there. I mean, that's definitely a possibility. Again, they would need to be able to get in the building or in the door. I mean, you know, but all of those things say probably robbery is not the motive, right? So now we're looking at people who know Tandy's schedule because they need to know that mom's not home when I'm going to go in during this time. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I'm fucking caught. Right. So now we're looking at possibly bar patrons, possibly co workers, possibly ex boyfriends. I mean, You know, ex-boyfriends is interesting. And we've already ruled out other kids. Mm -hmm. And he says in this video that the three main motives, he says like 90% of the time, you're going to have revenge, money or sex. So we've kind of already ruled out money because there was no robbery. Garrett was not sexually assaulted, thank goodness. So we rule out sex. So that leaves possibly revenge. Well, who would want revenge on Garrett? And again, it's probably not another kid we do know that Garrett and Nick didn't get along. Nick was aware of this, but he said he wasn't aware of this. Right. Like in his depositions and interviews, he denies ever knowing or hearing that Garrett disliked him. And this just cannot be true. (sighs) No, because we have the text messages from Tandy to say, you don't get along with my kids, or my kids do not get along, whatever the Mm -hmm. case may be. She said it. It's, it's not just hearsay like, oh, well, I told him. It's right there. And it's, he responded to and it. And he responded to it. And he also says in that same vein, we we just separated. It, it, he doesn't say the words it was mutual, but he, he simply will not say. They're like, but she broke up with you. He's like, no, we separated. Right. Why? It's like, I don't know. Some people relish in being the dumper and some people might relish in being the dumpy. But he's like, no, this just happened. Mm-hmm. There yeah. was no communication. There was no nobody. It wasn't anybody's idea. It just happened. But exactly. How? It was nobody's idea. Yeah. It just sort of came about. But we we know that's not true because we have the text between them saying so. And, and that, we have the the knowledge that Nick went around being like somebody talk her out of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he shows up in her apartment after in he her him. bedroom after she like said leave me alone like I need my space and he just goes over there like he can just walk in the no. You don't own this home. You don't own this apartment. Yeah. Um. All these things combined with Nick's ankle injury that he still, to this day, says that he never denied to the police. The the way that this man can boldface lie, and even when he's caught, he's like, nope. Like, he maintains the lie is astonishing. It really is. I mean, and he does this in the 2020. He does this in the deposition. He does this everywhere. You can watch him do it. And oh, they yeah. Yeah, and they'll directly, immediately after that show where he exactly he rebut that exactly yeah, because yeah. he we have video of the investigator saying if you'll just show me your right ankle or your right leg and let me know that you don't that you're not injured there I'll let you like mm-hmm. I'll be totally done with you I'll be satisfied I'll feel like that it could not have been you and he's like I don't have any injuries no I don't have any injuries. Now, whether or not that's true, if they would be satisfied if he didn't have any injuries, I'm not sure about that. But the fact of the matter is that he did have an injury there and that he refused to show it. Mm -hmm. And now he says he never said he didn't have an injury there. Right. And he also goes back and forth between, you know, the furniture is what did the, you know, he got the injury on furniture weeks and weeks before that. It looked fresher than weeks and weeks ago to me. It looked pretty fresh. And um, then he also goes to his uh, good old, I cannot recall. How did you get this injury? I cannot recall. Mm -hmm. How long ago did you get it? I cannot recall. And it's not just that. He puts himself in the same parking lot as Garrett just before the murder occurs. Mm -hmm. The inconsistencies in his timeline of that day, at best inconsistencies, at worst outright lies. Yeah. You know, it's just all of those things together. And this is a very small town just makes it most likely, because again, we didn't uncover this tawdry affair he was having that he might have wanted to cover up. We didn't uncover some double life he was leading that he would have wanted to cover up. Like, why is he lying about all of these things? Yeah. It does not make any sense. But even feeling that way, we believe he should not have been convicted of this crime. And this is why, like we said, you don't rush prosecutions. You don't manipulate them for political gain. Without enough evidence to actually convict someone, a person should be innocent until proven guilty. Mm-hmm. You know, Nick has no violent criminal history. He seems totally calm and collected in his interviews with police and other interviews like his deposition. He never lets on any feelings of being nervous or, you know, anything like that. But he also, he also, like we said, will to this day lie about things that we have seen contradicted in videos in his own words. It's not just investigators being like, no, well, he said this first and then he said that. We have video of it and it mm-hmm. does not bother him to be confronted with that information. Then mm-hmm. he just pulls a, I do not recall. Yeah. That's scary to me. Yeah. So there are several theories as to what happened to Garrett Phillips. A large number of people, particularly those with connections to the Phillips family in Potsdam, still believe that Nick murdered him. They believe that he blamed Garrett for the relationship with Tandy uh, falling apart, so he killed him. The second theory is, of course, that Garrett was murdered by John Jones, and this one coincides with the tunnel vision that some people believe that police immediately had for Nick, in a primarily white town, Nick was black and there were countless rumors that Jones wanted to punish Tandy by leaving him for a black man. John Jones obviously denies this, but I mean, he and he also he was on surveillance video during the time of the murder at his home walking his dogs. So he is pretty much ruled out. Like, I mean, he's yeah, it's he has an alibi that can be verified mm-hmm. and it hasn't changed. Yeah. And he's on this video for quite some time. God, he's a better man than me because I don't want to walk my dogs that long. But (laughs) I'm just saying, I don't. But, you know, we have that. So most people, most don't believe the murder was premeditated. Whether they believe Jones or Hillary was responsible for it, it's widely believed that the murderer saw Garrett and it became a crime of opportunity. Now, I agree. I don't think that whatever happened was necessarily planned out i don't know if it was or it wasn't but right yeah i have no idea but okay so let's get to the last theory there's this intruder theory someone who was completely unknown to garrett that forced their way into garrett's apartment and a reddit poster who is a former Potsdam resident said that while the the small town itself typically isn't too problematic when the population of the four surrounding colleges converge it exacerbates drug trafficking and this could be the reason for an intruder I mean, yep, it could. It could. And I mean, that's the thing. We we don't have definitive proof of anything at this point. Not at all. Garrett's murder is still unsolved and no one else has been charged with his murder or brought to light as a suspect. In 2018, D.A. Rain's license to practice law was suspended based on complaints of misconduct. Hmm. Shocking. Some were related to the Phillips investigation and next trial. Garrett is buried in a cemetery next to his father. His grandmother, Patricia, visits his grave at least once a week and has coffee with him. His classmates bring new soccer balls that have been signed by his friends and leave them at his grave. If you have any information regarding the murder of Garrett Phillips, please contact the Potsdam Police Department. Mm, that's a sad one. It is. 12-year-old kid lost his life.
1: And oh, no matter man. what the
0: reason is, it's senseless, you know? Yeah. And there's no justice for him. And Nope. Or we haven't had any yet. mm and, and possibly never. It, yeah, possibly never. If it is, in fact, Nick Hillary, then we will never get justice. And if it's not Nick Hillary, then the police have really fucked it up. Yeah. And either way, they fucked it up. Well, yeah. And, I mean, if it is Nick Hillary, D.A. Rain needs mm. to— she has to live with that for the rest of her life. I don't think that she will take responsibility for it. Absolutely not. But her license needs to be more than... Oh, my gosh. More than suspended. Thank you very much. I mean, if you've got somebody who is proven to have engaged in prosecutorial misconduct... Now, this was her first murder trial. I don't know if she had any after that because, again, Potsdam is, like, really small. But, I mean, your convictions should all be overturned, I think. Everybody should get a new trial. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I mean, my God, she she rushed taking the indictments to the grand jury. Rushed all that. Big fat rushed them, both of them. And then she's trying to bring in evidence that is shaky at best. I don't know. Mm-hmm. She's saying, talking a big game about all this evidence that she has, circumstantial and physical. Mm-hmm. Where? And then she's bringing up random witnesses that cannot be corroborated. Like their testimony, like they can't they cannot be proven to be true. So it's like, where do you draw the line? Yeah. And she obviously, by getting that um Andrew Carranza guy to come up and be like, oh yeah, I saw a black male in the window when I looked up, when we know he did not fucking see that. <laughs> like if you're willing to play dirty like that, mm-hmm. then we can't trust anything you bring to the table. No. Not at all. And she's missing it. She's missing the point. It's not about the win because clearly no. you're not even good at that. Yeah. But it's about the truth. hmm And to do that to Garrett's family. hmm After everything they've been through. It's, now I know, and I know it's hard for them and they probably are like, why is, why is he not being arrested? Why is he not being prosecuted? But this is why. So it, it is, it is still a disservice to them to bring somebody to trial when you are not ready. Mm-hmm. Because now, if it is Nick Hillary, I'm not saying it is, but if, if it is, they have fucked that yeah. up so bad. He'll never he'll never ever be able to be tried and convicted for his crime if he did it. Exactly. And that is on it's it's on the on her Potsdam Police and the, yeah. the DA. Absolutely. Because from the very beginning they did everything in such a way that it's like, okay, but but did you actually want to solve this? Right. Because again, if you wanted to stick, you would have done it in a different way. Mm-hmm. You would have done it right. There's a reason yeah. why. Yeah. They have these protocols and rules and in checks place. and balances. And yeah, exactly. Yes. It's just, it mm, makes me so mad. Yeah. So you guys, let us know what you think. Again, please keep it civil. We are totally fine. If you disagree with our perspective, our assessment, our conclusions, we can handle that. But we got to keep it classy, you guys. So we like yeah, to see. Exactly. We we like to see healthy discussions of cases because um, this one really is one where we just do not know. Absolutely. There's not enough when... for, there's not enough against right so absolutely and here's a palette cleanser for you guys yeah because we need one I think oh yeah I think everyone should go watch Josie and the Pussycats oh that's a good one spin around come back home you're running out of my line. it's so good so (laughs) the the I'm sorry the soundtrack is tits it's so good it is. It's really good. And the product placement is just Yes. De sure jour means family. Um, I also I bought the album, the vinyl of yeah. that soundtrack, and it came with a teeny tiny little vinyl one of Du Jour. <laughs> Back <door> lover. <laughs> That's hilarious. So I love it. All right. Well, there you have it. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. We love you so much. And we hope you have a great rest of your evening or day, whatever you're you're listening to this really. But thank you so much. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Bye. Bye. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this case. Connect with us on Instagram or Facebook to continue the conversation. Thanks for listening. And we will meet you back here next week. Bye. Bye.